This morning we turn to Genesis chapter 3 as we open God's Word. God tells us in His Word that sin has had many consequences. Not only separated man from God, sin has separated us from each other and introduced competition rather than, rather than cooperation. There was another separation that occurred as we read about the fall and its consequence, the fall into sin. Another separation that happened, man was separated from creation. After the fall into sin, there was no longer peace between man and the world where he was placed. God put man and woman in the garden to fill the earth and to subdue it, to work and keep it, but sin brought a curse upon the ground. Through Adam's sin, the world was subjected to futility, we read, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, now creation groans under the effects of sin, awaiting the day of renewal. But that has not changed things. We continue to work the ground. We're, continued to call, we're called to work and to serve the Lord. And we want to see that this morning, but we want to also begin there, Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19 where we read of sin's consequence upon creation. The Lord God said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field." By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, to dust you shall return. This is the word of God. May he add his blessing to the reading and proclamation of it this morning. Beloved of the Lord, work has been severely affected by the fall, and yet work is that which we are called to do. Even there on the announcement of the curse... God says three times, you shall eat, you shall eat, you shall eat. You are doing this work, you are to continue to do this work, and I will provide in spite of the curse that has come. You will see futility, you will see frustration, but I am not turning you away from the call to work, and there will be fruit in keeping with my gracious hand. You shall eat. Many people today, however, readily share that they're dissatisfied with their jobs. Many don't believe that what they do matters. Some merely work to live. And they say, all I'm doing is I'm just working so that I can do something with my money that I enjoy. (laughs) And we want to think about that this morning. What does the Bible say about humans and work? Is work part of the curse or is work something good which is to be redeemed? The Bible teaches us that work is good. Being made in God's image, part of being made in God's image means that we work. God was working. Genesis 2 tells us that God worked. And then on uh, verse 2 says that he rested from his work. Work's a part of our design as those made in his image. Though we don't have to be convinced that work has become frustrating because of sin. Sin introduced frustration into the world, and yet we are created to work, and God recreates us in Christ for the good work that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that, verse 10. The Bible says that that work is something that is good and has a reward. We think about many many of the uh, 
the statements in Proverbs. I'm not going to look at all of them uh, this morning, just kind of summarizing them, though, to, to think about the matter of work. The Bible teaches that hard work leads to abundance. Proverbs 21.5 tells us that we are to be those who are working. The plans of the diligent, the plans of those who work, lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty, one who's trying to take shortcuts. Elsewhere we read in Proverbs, Proverbs 14, verse 23, that in toil there is profit. There is profit. There is a, there's benefit. There's value. Now we often associate that with, well, how much does it make? How much money do I get from it? But there is, there's profit beyond that which is merely economic, which we're going to talk about this morning. It's not just working to get money. There's also provision for others, as we heard in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, that we are to work, that we might give to those who have need, that we might serve. The focus in work is not riches. Listen to what Proverbs says. Just, just one verse that I want to, a couple of verses I want to mention so that we, we recognize uh, this proper focus. Proverbs 23 verses 4 and 5 speaks of the idea of work relating to wealth. It says this, Proverbs 23, 4 and 5, do not toil, do not wear yourself out to get rich, to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light upon riches, they are gone, for suddenly they sprout wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. The NIV says, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. So we're not not working so that we might just gain riches so that we can then stop working and just float around the world as those who are are just uh, receiving and taking in. God encourages us to good work, though there is uh, frustration in it, though there are challenges We live rightly when we work. How does a high-quality product, how is it achieved? Well, we tell our kids by putting time in. Uh, Maybe a paper you have to write in school is going to be much better if you're working ahead rather than cramming the night before. This idea of working, putting in good work for a high-quality product to be achieved. How How can we prepare for the future for the greater responsibilities that come to us by, by working hard now, by being diligent in, in taking in all that we can learn about leadership, for example, so that we would be diligently prepared as we have opportunity to serve. We don't live to work. That's a, there's a term for that. It's called a workaholic. We can, we can overdo it, and we can do nothing but work, But failure to work is warned against in Scripture. Laziness is really what the book of Proverbs warns against. There is profit not only in what it provides for others, but it is for uh, we are to be about doing. We are to be about filling the earth and subduing it. Not being lazy. Laziness is self-indulgence that is not commended in the Word. Rest comes, but it comes after good work and is necessary to recharge and refresh. Resting without work, without hard work, leaves us without accomplishment, 
which God expects of us. Think of the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. He gives us certain talents. He gives us certain abilities. And he gives us a call to use those talents, to use those abilities. And then he comes back and he expects us to have invested them, to use them in obedience to his command. So we work because we're image bearers of God. For God is continually working. If he wasn't continually working, the universe would not be upheld. It would fall apart. Jesus was confronted when he was doing work on the Sabbath. Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees that he was breaking the command to not work, to keep the Sabbath day holy. What do we make of that? He says, wait a minute. He says, I and my Father are working. Even now, he says. Let's think about that just for a moment as we think about how God is, is, is constantly working. He's working all the time. He doesn't take a day off. He doesn't need to. But what, what Jesus was saying there is that his work was to show them the Father. His work was, was to reveal the Father, and this was his task. It's a day to be focusing on the Lord. It was not prohibited. This work was not prohibited in the fourth commandment. The Pharisees taught that uh, the command was forbidding uh, what the command was forbidding. Jesus showed them that the Sabbath was for something. It was to remember God, to worship God, to be, uh, again, reflecting upon who he was. And it's a reminder that he is working for us, that we ourselves don't save ourselves, don't provide for ourselves, but that we rest, we depend upon him for all things, not just our physical needs, but for spiritual needs, even our very salvation. His work keeps us. The book of Acts speaks of the ongoing work of God through his spirit to gather, protect, and preserve his church. There is that work that we're about. We're to be about that work, never, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, Paul says in Romans chapter 12. God works, and we work as image bearers of him. So why does talk about work create such a strong reaction today? Why is there such a repulsion to it? Why is there such a desire to just get income without having to, to, to do anything for it? Why not just receive? Well, because of the fallenness of the world, because of the brokenness, because of the hardship of work. It's, it's difficult. It, it's plagued by all kinds of things, by worker disagreement, by wage uh, uh, wars, by, by product quality and so forth. Sin has affected that. God says there will be thorns and thistles that will come forth. There will be sweat that's necessary. We're called to work and we will have to work hard. But our work is frustrated by thorns and thistles, by flood and drought, by disharmony, by differing goals and disappointments, and by our natural refusal to see God's purpose for us in his creation. Yet God says we are to work. He says you shall work. You shall eat as a result of that work, as I've pointed out already three times. You shall eat, you shall eat, you shall eat. How do you work then? You work at whatever you're doing with all of your heart. Paul says that in Colossians chapter 3, as he's talking about the Christian life, he says there are aspects of our life that we often don't uh, give our, our whole being to. And there are other areas where we are very focused about giving ourselves to it. Our recreation, we, we play hard. We can, we can play hard. And sometimes, however, we don't work so very hard. 
we work when the, when the boss's eye is on us, or, or we, we, we work uh, very hard for promotion, and we don't often think about working simply because we're working as unto the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, not just as those uh, who are working by way of eye service or to be people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So our work ought to reflect our devotion to God, that we're doing this for him, out of obedience for him, and with, with joy, whether someone is watching us, whether there's a promotion in it, or whatever the reason, simply because we are working for the Lord. Well, so we, we, we're made to work. We, we remember our mission then, secondly. We remember our mission. So we work, we must remember that God is a calling for us in this work. We're called to make him known through our work. We work then with his categories. We work with his principles, not according to, to man's principles, dishonest business practices, and so forth. We work with integrity. We work uh, uh, circumspectly. Are we doing our best? Are we, uh, can we give more? Are we to, are we to, can we help others rather than create friction uh, in uh, the workplace? We uphold his purposes to fill the earth and subdue it. We learn his ways for flourishing uh, on the earth. God is the one who teaches us this. He shows us that in his word. If you want to look it up later today, uh, Isaiah 28, verses 23 to 29, it's very interesting. He talks there about how the farmer learns to till his soil. He's taught that by, by, God's t- by God, and, and uh, God is concerned about how we work, and he's concerned about how the, the, the principles we use. So as we examine the world, we learn about God's provision and how we can use it uh, to better serve him and others. Part of our call is to remember that our mission is also representing God and how we work. His goodness and his love are to be displayed in our work. The end goal is not merely profit or business growth. That's, those are worthy uh, goals to increase the productivity, maybe to offer more jobs to, to, to people. But good work is not measured solely economically, though today we might think that listening to the discussions that are held. It's a Marxist notion, really, that we're simply economic units. How much are you going to put out for my business? How much profit? How much material profit? Everything is about this world. But we have dignity that is beyond economic output. Indeed, it precedes that. Our dignity is being made in God's image. In our work, we reflect God and we acknowledge, we remember that our value is in the fact that we're made in his image. In our work, we seek to be selflessly serving others and by this revealing to the world God's condescension and service to his world. This is to his glory. He's not consumed by his greatness, by his pride, to be self-serving, to be, to be thinking only of, of his ends. But he gives, and we are marvelously loved, and we are to represent that same giving and to show love to others. Well, then we remember, 
very closely related. Thirdly, work doesn't determine value. It doesn't make us valuable. Brian Chappell in his new book, Grace at Work, says this, because God intends for every person to mirror him, our calling should be understood as helping others better know and express the one whose image they bear so that God is better known and loved. Think about that. How do we help others do that? How can we help others reflect their, uh, the one whom they, uh, they represent? There's a lot of differences that could happen and take place in the workplace if we told them, you are representing God. That should make a difference in how they work. Imagine God working half the time, part of the time, watching the clock, getting bored, deciding, well, this isn't all that terribly interesting. Imagine what would happen in the world if, if God were to act that way, and yet God says, I, I, this is who I am, and you represent me. This is, this is who you represent. Well, how can we do this? How can we mirror him? He gives some examples. He says, Christian employers look at their employees and ask, how can, I, how can we best provide for their welfare? Are they receiving appropriate benefits? Are they paid a fair wage for their work? Then he says this for the employee. This can be seen in how you treat your, co- your co-workers, even the difficult ones. Do you treat them with dignity and respect? Remembering that God's love and grace towards you are not based on your actions. You also do whatever you can to help others flourish in their vocations rather than focusing solely on your own advancement and success, as we've already seen in Colossians 3. He finishes this way, those created in God's image grow to understand his character by our service and sacrifice. He's not saying in some total, don't misunderstand, but he's saying as we're looking at the idea of work, this is how we are to think about it. So how is... How is my work measured? It's measured by how well I portray my creator in my work every day. The Lord has given us command to work. As I've said, we don't, or we remember that our work doesn't determine our value or make us valuable. It's there, it's there to, uh, to give us another avenue by which to, re- to proclaim who God is doesn't give us dignity. Before Adam and Eve were given that call to fill the earth and subdue it, they were declared, uh, they were given dignity by God, made in his image, in his likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. So no matter how young or how old human life is, it has dignity. No matter how much you've developed or how much you've uh, uh, deteriorated, I guess we could say, No matter what, there's dignity there because God has made you in his image. So we don't want to lose that when we're talking about this matter of work. Yes, work is that which we're given to do, but at different stages it looks different. Our ability or our inability to work doesn't increase or decrease our dignity or value. We're not measured, our dignity is not measured by physical achievement. Some work hard physically while others cannot. Work is called for, however, in our spiritual lives as well, to be prayer warriors, to be engaged in in serving the Lord in that way and serving others in that capacity. The kind of work doesn't determine our value. Oh, this job is more valuable uh, than than another. God gives us different jobs and 
Together we see to it that we fulfill the creation mandate which he has given. We teach others skills that we have that they need to learn. He delights to see you doing his will no matter what part you play. I was reflecting on this this week. You know who I remember from my educational years? It, 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 I don't know why it came to my mind. My typing teacher. Now people say, what in the world? Your typing teacher. I type every day. If, if, if I wouldn't have learned typing, I would have been, you know, I would be very hindered in my ability to do my job. I think of Mr. Vanderwell, my, my high school typing teacher. He probably didn't care much for typing. His thing was accounting, really. But he taught typing because he saw that as, a, as something needed, and he was, he was there, and they, they said, can you teach this? And he said, yes, I have some abilities in that. Just to, just to illustrate, just someone who's, who's doing, passing on skill that we think, well, how, is that, does that have any value? It absolutely has value. Every work, every job, different ways, different capacities. Even high school uh, teachers that we think, oh, I never, I never cared much for that class, but boy, I really learned. Or, or college professors, or parents teaching us this or that, and we think, wow, never saw the value in it until now. Young people, invest yourself in your classes. You don't know which ones are really going to serve you well later. You want to, you want to do your best and, and receive from those who are teaching you. Um, even those you think, well, what, 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 what value is there in that? There, there's value in all of these things. And we are to use whatever gifts God has given us to serve him. And we think of that in the home, too. As we work at home. We strive to teach our children about the God who rules over everything. God praises that work, though it isn't financially uh, uh, repaid. We often say, well, what, there, there's, there's no money in it, so it can't be valuable. It's very valuable. The work in the home. And God gives many directions for that, how the father and the, the mother is to act in the home I, I was thinking of the movie Mom's Night Out this week. Uh, men, if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Um, it's, it's, it's about some, some wives going out uh, and, and the dad's trying to, to, to take care of the, 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 the responsibilities at the home. And it's, uh, it's quite hilarious. But he, he has a conversation, the husband has a conversation with his wife and he's talking to her and he says, honey, I just want to tell you, your job is, and she says, I know, I know, I know, it's hard. And he says, no, that's not what I was going to say. He says, your job is important. It matters. We, we don't think about that often because it's, well, it's, you know, we think of jobs valued according to salary. But we need to think about the work that's done that is laying foundational truths and foundational uh, uh, matters for maybe not the next day, but for the years to come. We work, though our work, what we do, the kind of work we do, how much money we make doesn't determine our value or make us valuable, but it is that which points to God who works in all things for that which is good. Well, fourthly, we remember our work is an instrument of God's grace. Brian Chappell, again in his book, our work itself is an instrument of God's grace, pushing back the corruptions of the fall. So our work itself is an instrument of God's grace, pushing back the corruptions of the fall through the influence of God's character and care that we embody. 
even in the most pressured, difficult, secular, frustrating, and demoralizing workplaces. Each person born is to be an image bearer of God who would take his reflection, that is God's reflection, to all corners of our world and all the situations of our lives. The mission of our work is to help make the world a place where the thorns and thistles of brokenness are cut down, where there is a place for uh, uh, things to grow and to bear fruit. Employers are positioned to provide a place for employees to fulfill God's call to subdue the earth and to provide for others while they make a livable wage for their own needs. Employees are called to give their best to improve the place of work to serve others through their work, as we've already seen in uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3. We said something about the employees. There's a word to employers as well in Colossians 4. Right at the end of that section, it says, Masters, treat your bondservants. Employers, treat your employees justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven, that you too are accountable for how you treat your employees. The Lord cares about how we work. The Lord cares about how we oversee the work of others. And in all of it, uh, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. Well, there's uh, time to rest also, to reflect on what is happening and who is the focus of our attention in life, namely the Lord. We remember that we rest at times. Remember we remember to ask the question, who gave all this? Who provided for all this? And we recognize it is the Lord. We thank him for this beautiful world and the life that we have, even as we pray for coming renewal, that the thorns and thistles would be removed, that fruitfulness would be uh, unending. Just encourage you to think about that as you, as you come to worship. How is it that the Lord is using you uh, in the work, Monday through Saturday, for these things that we've already delineated. If you're a farmer, are you, are you thinking about how you're caring for the environment and working the ground, finding satisfaction in the bounty produced for others? If you're a tradesman, you're providing quality work for the comfort of others. If you're a nurse or a doctor or a caregiver, are you doing your work compassionately, revealing your father? If you're an excavator or a landscaper, builder, electrician, Block layer, you giving thanks for the way that you can level the ground and give a place for others to live where they might flourish. If you're an accountant, are you working with integrity, showing the precision that God has, balancing the books for a financial organization that they might be continually fruitful? If you're a businessman or a salesperson, you're working hard to know your products and are you finding joy in helping your customers? make a good purchase for their business or their home or for their recreation? If you're a law enforcement officer, detective, fireman, are you upholding the law, protecting the public, providing safety as you think about the needs of those around you? If you're a teacher, are you grasping your subject, teaching your students patiently and showing them that godly character and virtue is also a part of what they are to be learning Engineers, cabinet makers, IT people, mechanics, 
truck drivers, draftsmen, dispatchers, printers, car salesmen, lawyers, all giving glory to God for the gifts that God has given to them, using those gifts to point others to God's wonderful creation for which we should all give thanks and to the God who holds it all together, bringing order, helping people flourish. And then in our homes, those micro-enterprises, those small engines for societal advancement. Fathers, mothers, don't lose sight of the responsibility to image God before your children. Don't say things like, I don't get paid enough for this. (laughs) Though the thought may cross your mind from time to time. Remember that he can give you all that you need if you but ask. So ask him. Ask him and you shall receive. For the marvelous calling of parenting undergirds all of it. Well, then finally, we remember our work is, an every, is our everyday worship. Our work is our everyday worship. As we examine work from a biblical perspective, we begin to recognize that God is giving us the opportunity to work for his present and future purposes. For what is right in front of us, but also as we're building for the future. When we have that perspective, we realize that our work is not first and foremost about us or for us. It's obedience to make known his plans which are laid out before us in his word. We're measured not by our profit or loss, but by what God accomplishes through us for his glory. Our work is a channel of God's grace. By work we both receive and dispense the blessing of our Lord, writes one uh, commentator. When we use God's gifts and the calling he gives us, we fulfill his purposes The tasks may be magnificent or mundane according to the world's accounting or our own estimation, but faithful labor cannot fail to reflect and advance the goodness of God. We walk on holy ground whenever we do honest work with God's purposes in mind. Let me say that again. We walk on holy ground whenever we do honest work with God's purposes in mind. All work that reflects his character and care is our everyday worship and the privilege of our calling. That's how we think about work. Remember that behind it all, the Lord is at work. What does he say in in Romans chapter 8? He says, and in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Therefore, as Scripture states, stand firm, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Commit your way to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that work is so very frustrated by sin and fallenness. Our attitudes, our actions, the productivity of what we do is so often short. We pray, Lord, that you would give us what we need to have a proper reflection upon our work, giving our best, providing the best workplace, remembering that we represent you. That is part of filling the earth and subduing it, pointing to the Creator, to you who has a plan, purpose, design, and order for all of it 
to where there is a there is a true definition for these things, a good that we can identify and work toward. Help us to learn what that is for our respective occupations, that you might be honored and glorified, not just by our presence here, but by our work when we leave this place. We thank you for giving us abilities. We thank you for giving us rest. We thank you for giving us value and dignity as those made in your image, whether working or resting. Receive our thanks and our praise and hear our prayers, for we ask it for Christ's sake. Amen. Number 92A, it is good to thank the Lord, indeed, to thank Him for all that He has given. It is good to thank the Lord, to praise Your name most high, to tell Your love at dawn, Your faithfulness by night, with ten-string lyre, resounding music played upon the harp and lyre. He is one who is always at work, faithful. His deeds, Your deeds, Lord, make me glad. I'll sing of what you've done. How great your works, O Lord. How deep your thoughts, each one. We think about God's work and all that he does, and we give thanks, and we seek to to mirror that in our lives. Let's stand to sing the five stanzas, 92A.
Let's offer a prayer with the offering. Your Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for the ability for it to go out, that you protect that. And we thank you for those who labor to do that. We pray for Reverend Welch as he ministers in southern Indiana in the Madison Reformed Church church plant. As we take an offering for him, Lord, bless his labors. May he labor diligently. May he delight in that work. May he find joy in it. May his family also uh, find delight in serving and that together that body of believers might have an impact upon their community as others see their work and see you in them. Receive our gifts now with these prayers, we pray. Amen. stand to receive God's parting blessing. Here then this word as God goes with you. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.